The reading tonight is from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul, too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. The word of the Lord. Hey everyone, thanks for being here tonight. The first thing that happens in the Gospel of Luke is the foretelling of the birth of John. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call him John. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. The next thing that happens is Gabriel appears again. And Luke is very specific about it being the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. This time, Gabriel appears to Mary, foretelling the birth of Jesus. When Mary is a bit skeptical, asking Gabriel, how could this possibly be? He proclaims, the power of the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. After that, we see Mary and Elizabeth, cousins, friends, sisters of the heart and spirit, Both are pregnant, both miraculously so. Two women about to have babies meeting in a joyous embrace. 
And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She tells Mary, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. The first witness to Christ. I love how Luke gives voice to women in Jesus' narrative. Like, hello, you can't have a baby without a pregnant mom. There have been so many babies born at House of Mercy in the last few years. I've had the honor and the privilege of watching all these women change and grow and develop over months and months and months. Tika, Erin, Alyssa, Emily, Nicole, Trish, Kim, Angie, twice. There's something profoundly moving about getting to witness women grow and change through pregnancy. It is both mundane and majestic. Everyday ordinary and crazy wild and beautiful. John is born and presented in the temple at eight days, circumcised according to the Hebrew law, and given the name that the angel proclaimed. Then Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit and tells of the prophecy. You know, the prophecy that we've been hearing about for the last few weeks. The story that starts the Gospel of John. The voice crying out in the wilderness. John, who declares Jesus the light shining in the darkness. The first chapter of Luke ends, And the child grew and became strong in spirit. That child would be John, the one who would later be called the Baptist. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. The second chapter of Luke starts with the birth of Jesus. This is essentially where we get our best-known narrative of the Christmas story. Swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, no room at the end, shepherds, tidings of great joy, peace to all people on earth. Shepherds were typically either slaves or the youngest boys in a family or tribe. Contrary to popular images of shepherds as men or powerful, strong people, Mostly they were the weakest and the outcast, the least powerful. So the city of David and the house of David. Perhaps it is the story told by the powerful that assumes that house to be a palace and David to be a worldly king. David was a shepherd long before he was a king. This was when he was actually closest to and chosen by God. When he himself was also a child, the weakest and youngest and smallest of the tribes sent out to be with the sheep, not even acknowledged by his father as one of his own. I think it is so totally consistent with who Jesus is and who he teaches us God is that the reference to the house of David, the prophecy of Isaiah, has a double meaning of sorts. Like the heir to the house of the shepherd, born into a stable, to teach us who God is and who we are. And at the end of eight days, he, like John, like all Hebrew boys, is circumcised and given his name, Jesus. Just like a child would be growing up in that world. Elizabeth and Zechariah doing the next right thing as people of God. Mary and Joseph doing the next right thing. After 40 days, Jesus is brought to the temple 
to be presented because he is the firstborn son. The law of Moses required that the firstborn be brought to the temple and ransomed or redeemed with the sacrifice of two pigeons or doves. The Holy Spirit told Simeon, a righteous and devout man, that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. We're told in the text today that he was moved by the Spirit to enter into the temple so that he could see the Christ. It's like God, through the Holy Spirit, is moving and opening all these people in this story. The text tonight ends with a crone, Anna, whose name means grace. The very old woman who has lived most of her life in service to the temple. She is a widow, very, very old, and dedicated to God. A holy woman, one of the few women named prophet in the New Testament. She recognizes him and tells others who have been waiting for the redemption of Israel that the time is at hand. Here in this story, Elizabeth and Anna, and in the last chapter of Luke, women are the first witness to the risen Christ. I think this is really critical. By every standard of importance and power and privilege in the life of the empire, women were insignificant. These are the first witnesses to Christ, not the people who are the rich and the famous, so not the powerful. All the first witnesses to the light become flesh are the least of these, shepherds, children, women, old men, and widows. These are the heroes of Luke's story about the life of Jesus at every turn. This is so the opposite of the big and the powerful. Luke tells us that the Holy Spirit visited each of the main characters in the first two chapters. And not a single one is rich or famous or powerful in the world of empire. Right from the very beginning of Jesus' story, babies and shepherds and women and very old people are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit moves throughout the whole entire story. And the day that God chose David, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. The good news in the Gospel of Luke is that we, each and every one of us, can be moved and filled and led by the Holy Spirit the Spirit of God, in our normal, everyday work and lives and activities, in pregnancy and in birth, as teachers and as elders, doing the next right thing as people of God. Our children, like John, like Jesus, grow strong in wisdom and grace and the gifts of the Spirit. I think that this is part of the story of Jesus, Part of the miracle of God become human out of love for us. Following Jesus opens us to the gifts of the Spirit. Wisdom, understanding, judgment, courage, knowledge, reverence, awe. God is continuously coming in to the world. I think a lot about Jesus growing up, gaining in strength and wisdom and spirit. It's 
probably kind of weird, really, but I seriously do think about Jesus as a little person. I've been at the House of Mercy now for pretty much exactly four years. One of the first people who spoke to me in this community was Daniel, who was holding Raymond. I swear he had him on his shoulders. And he was singing in the pew in front of me. That would have made Raymond about six months old at the time. Gabriel, Seymour, Abe, Addie, Lily, all tiny babies just four years ago. And look at them now. Bright and creative and thriving and excited and bursting with so much love. I see him in every one of these children. I can't help it. We are responsible for teaching and holding and nurturing. We are also supposed to follow, to watch, to learn. What do you see during the youngster parade every week? I see joy and pride and independence and sometimes a bit of awe. And maybe now and then a little bit of grumpiness. How do we live so that our children will see the truth of how to walk in the light of Jesus? What do we teach and what do we learn? I think God is like that, giving us the responsibility of teaching right alongside the responsibility of learning, of receiving God's grace. He came as a baby. We all come as babies. He had to do what we do every day. I find that comforting, that he likely fell down and skinned his knees, that Joseph probably told him about a hundred times the right way to hold a hammer. He probably pushed his brothers down sometimes. He was also likely very sweet and fiercely protective of his younger siblings. I watch the older siblings here, like Tegan and Simone, how they watch and follow and lead and love Harper and Josette. I'm thinking that God had to become human to show us something really, really important about who we are in the world. About strength and vulnerability. When I think of all the ways that I fall short, all the ways that I try to do my best and not quite make the mark, I wonder, did Jesus make mistakes too? I think he had to, or else he wouldn't have been fully human. And that's one thing I appreciate about him the most. There's something so comforting to me in knowing that Jesus knows, he knows what it's like to struggle, to have love and loss and fear and sadness. This is a story about God coming, into, coming to us in the most powerful and most vulnerable way possible. Everybody loves babies. Look at all the YouTube videos about babies. Baby humans, baby animals, all over the internet going viral. There's something in us that opens and softens to receive when we see a baby. Babies fill me with awe. I remember Zosha, my 16-year-old, when she was born. And I would sit and hold her and stare and stare and think about putting her down, and stare some more. I really can't think of a more profound gift than this. And babies trust. It's bred in them 
to reach out and draw to them what is good and warm and nurturing. There are so many babies in House of Mercy right now. Ruth, Cora, Kieran, Kaya, Grayson, Ben, Hans. And just a little bit older, hardly babies at all anymore. Roger and Clara and Harper and Ariadne. Our neurology is designed for relationship, for touch and holding, soft sounds and rocking. I'm frequently my best around babies, baby humans, baby animals. God coming to us as a baby indicates to me that I'm supposed to be in relationship with God. That I'm looking at God as God looks back at me. That I am teaching my children as they continuously teach me. And the word became flesh. Jesus came into the world as a baby. Luke thought it was so important that he made a really, really big deal of it. We make a really, really big deal of it, too. Every year, the baby Jesus, this light who came into the world. Look around you right now. It's a good bet that there's a baby somewhere pretty close by. Babies are amazing and fragile and beautiful and wondrous, soft and warm and so, so vulnerable. I really like a God that is willing to get that small, that vulnerable, to teach us who we are and who God is. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Jesus came into the world the same way the rest of us do, a tiny little baby. He had a mother and brothers and sisters. He had aunties and uncles and cousins. We so need to see each other this way in our vulnerabilities. It is Jesus' way every time. It's what God is inviting us into, a family filled with children and love and grace and mercy. Look into the face of a child. That is the image and likeness of God. God the Almighty, God the vulnerable. Our strength is our vulnerability. The other day, about a week after my surgery, I was typing for a couple of hours and I was exhausted. I texted a friend. It is amazing to me how fragile we are. Her response, bless you, Phyllis. You are fragile and pretty amazing and strong and courageous too. And so are we. He shows us this again and again and again. The first two chapters of Luke are filled with it. The small and the weak and the vulnerable. Luke doesn't have the visitation of the Magi, the powerful strangers who deceive Herod and warn Joseph. He only has the shepherds and the lambs and the very old witness and bless and announce the Savior to the world. I work with children, children who have been abused and battered and hurt in some of the most cruel and vicious ways. And sometimes it is hard to, to remember that the people who do these things are also heirs to the kingdom, also deserve grace and mercy. Like Debbie said a couple weeks ago, 
The everlasting joy is for everyone or it's for no one. For God so loved the world. Right. That is so hard for me sometimes. But when I lay myself open over and over again, when I open to grace and beauty and light, when I open to the reality of Jesus, infant, toddler, adolescent, man, risen Savior, then I remember and can see that the light is in the world and the darkness has not overcome it.